You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. We have all been hearing, reading, discussing, debating, and worrying about artificial intelligence. And it is an issue that has sprung upon us in the last year or two because of the advances in artificial intelligence, the ways in which it will affect our political system, the ways in which it will affect all of our lives in myriad ways. And we are so pleased to have with us in the studio Kristen Nordstrom, who is a professor of physics at Mount Holyoke College and the director of the SciTech Cafe, because tomorrow night at the SciTech Cafe, there will be a talk, a presentation, and a Q&A about robotics, artificial intelligence, and these crucial issues that are affecting all of us today. Kristen, I leave to you the pleasure of this introduction. All right. So tomorrow night at Abandoned Building Brewery in East Hampton, uh, 6 p.m. doors open, 6.30 talk. We'll be hearing from Professor Megan Huber about using robots to improve how we move. So, Bill, I know you talked about AI a little bit, but another topic I think especially germane to this talk is the fact that our population is aging and robots can maybe help with some physical therapy, as I understand. So, Megan, would you give us an overview of what you're going to talk about? Yeah, thank you very much, Kristen. Uh, So in my talk today, or in my talk tomorrow, I'm going to explore the ways in which robots can be used for good and enhancing mobility. Um, I'll give you a bit of a behind the scenes look at what it takes to build, uh, design, and evaluate these devices. And together, we're gonna discuss the challenges associated with bringing this technology into daily use. Um, For as much as this is an engineering AI problem, uh, a lot of our research is surprisingly very much uses neuroscience, right? How do we design systems to actually work with humans? Right? What we've seen in AI is that we can have these unintended consequences or complications. So we try to take an approach where we're, because we're putting physical machines on people's bodies in order to help them walk, we want to make sure that we're actually using any type of intelligence or any type of design in, act, in order to actually help and improve mobility. Okay. And how does this actually work? So you're attaching, uh, you said, an exoskeleton to people? Yeah, so we have several different types of uh, robots that we work with, some of which are wearable. So you can think of wearing some type of uh, orthosis or brace, but one that has motors on it so that it can actually apply forces to your body. Um, We also have a whole slew of robots. Uh, We have uh, robotic treadmills where they can change the compliance of the ground that you're walking on. What what does compliance Uh, mean? So compliance is, uh, say, how stiff or how uh, soft the ground is, right? As humans, we walk on all different types of terrain from gravel to uh, cement to sand. Uh, And so we wanna make sure that as we're testing our exoskeletons, that we can actually make sure that they're improving performance on all different types of environments. Uh, So some pretty cool custom technology that we've built in order to emulate what it's like to walk on all different types of grounds. So are you saying that there is a mechanical or artificial intelligence kind of uh, device that can help people who have trouble walking walk? Is that what I'm hearing? That is what our goal is. So right now, um, we are just one of the labs uh, that are building these types of devices and are using artificial intelligence in order to customize exoskeletons to an individual, 
right? One impairment in one individual may look different than another. And so how do you take the exact same device but customize how it's controlled in order to provide assistance to uh, both individuals? So that's the type of work that uh, we're aspiring to get to. Um, as you've noticed, uh, you probably don't see exoskeletons around in everyday life. Uh, and that's because uh, you, you have the same type of challenges, almost like self-driving cars, where we have to be very sure that the, you know, these are physical machines, right? Um, if your artificial intelligence malfunctions in the information world on your computer, maybe you get a wrong song suggestion, right? Although I should say, you know, I shouldn't minimize the issues that we are now experiencing, downstream issues we're now experiencing with AI. But when you have a physical machine, right, any small uh, deviation or like unintended action can have physical consequences, right? Mm -hmm. If the device malfunctions or misfires, you can cause somebody to trip, especially if, which is not good, especially if they already have walking impairments. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's really the challenges is how do we integrate these mechanical systems and the artificial intelligence of these machines with the intelligence of the human in order to collectively make this human robot system walk efficiently and effectively and most importantly safely. And and I think I was reading you sent me a couple of papers and my understanding was these are devices for therapy rather than actual treatment like actual permanent attachments or is it both? Yeah, so it's both. There's okay. a so on one hand, you can think of these as these exoskeletons or wearable devices as assistive tools, right? On another hand, you can also think of them as training tools. So uh, there's two different types. And what's interesting is how, depending on whether you want to ultimately be able to walk again without the exoskeleton versus if you, you know, end up walking with the exoskeleton, those are two almost separate problem, research problems. Um, but we pursue both. Could you explain that? Just I want to make sure I understand. Yeah. One is helping a person on their own to walk. The other is having a device next to the person that's helping them walk? Ah, so the idea, right, imagine that I'm wearing a device, let's say something similar to what we have in our lab, like a hip brace that has motors that can move your thighs. If the goal is to assist an individual, right, the exoskeleton can apply forces that make walking more efficient, right? You have to Stop there for one second. Yeah. An exoskeleton is what? Ah, <laughs> yes. So an exoskeleton, uh, I mean, literally by definition, you could think of it as a skeleton on the outside, right? So imagine uh, you have some type of brace, right, on your legs and on your hip, for example. Um, we take that type of brace and we add motors to it. So that motor will center, say, on your hip joint. And now we can uh, apply forces about that hip joint the same way in which your muscles do. So, for example, I can use those motors to, say, provide assistance. I can make it easier for you to walk. I can work with your muscles. On the opposite side, I can also control the exoskeleton to make it harder for you to walk. Mm. So this so sounds... A resistive training. A resistive yeah, yeah. training, right? And so depending on the impairment and what the goals are, um, we can use this same device in order to make walking easier, right? Or So assistance. Or we can say, we're going to make this harder for you, but when we take the exoskeleton off, 
right? You ha- will have learned and gained improvements such that you know, the goal is for you to be able to walk without the exoskeleton. I'm excited to hear more about this tomorrow I, night. I am. And t- tell us, if you would, please. Yeah, so this will be an abandoned building brewery. Talk will be at 6.30 p.m. Show up at 6 to get some snacks and sign up for door prizes. Um, all ages, and there will be a period with Q&A with a speaker afterwards. We are speaking with Professor Megan Huber, who is a professor at the University of Massachusetts in the Department of Mechanical and Industrial Engineering, as well, of course, with Kirsten Nordstrom, who is a professor of physics at Mount Holyoke College and the director of the SciTech Cafe. When we come back, I'd really love to know what the relationship is between UMass and the other laboratories uh, and departments in, in universities across the United States with the companies that are going to ultimately make these devices and make them available and presumably makes money at it. We're going to find out about that right after this. More Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on W. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. We continue our conversation with Professor of Physics at Mount Holyoke College, Kirsten Nordstrom, who is the director of the SciTech Cafe, and Professor Megan Huber from the University of Massachusetts Amherst in the Department of Mechanical and Industrial Engineering. We're talking about her talk tomorrow evening. Well, let's have those details. Uh, yeah, Abandoned Building Brewery. Talk will be at 6.30 p.m. Show up at 6 if you'd like. Uh, there's beer. You can bring some food if you'd like. We'll have some light appetizers. And this is all ages. Um, and, so, and, and the abandoned building brewery is where? Is in East Hampton, Massachusetts. So. And, and I, I'd like to emphasize all ages because all ages, yes. the kids ask yes. some of the very best questions. And we've been getting a lot more kids showing up to our recent presentation. So I hope we get a bunch of interested roboticists here <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> Actually, so so you're developing these very cool, complex robots. So I guess the natural question is you're at a research university. Um, eventually... Some t- someday, some of these devices might be good enough to test out on actual patients, put to market. Is there any kind of plan for that or technology transfer? Yeah, how does that all work? Yeah, so in my lab, uh, we do a combination of basic science as well as more translational applied research. Um, there are actually companies who are developing these exoskeletons uh, that have working... Uh, working prototypes. Um, for example, if you uh, have seen any of the footage of the Consumer Electronics Showcase from 2024, um, you'll see examples of uh, exoskeletons. For example, uh, one is from Samsung. Uh, in fact, it's an exoskeleton that I have worked with. Um, there is an exoskeleton or there are? There is <laughs> I mean, there's at a, least d- one. Does yes. the exoskeleton have a name? Uh, yeah, so that is... <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I was making that up. No, um, and so that's this is just one one type of exoskeleton. Uh, theirs is called the Gems H. Uh, huh. Oh, my God, I should... Uh, does now it, has, I gotta does think it have of... a nickname? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's an acronym. Right? It must have a clever yes. nickname. gate-enhancing... Mobility system for the hip? Yeah, plausible. Yeah, Great. all right. Uh, don't quote me on that. Um, but what's really exciting is that, uh, honestly, and it's really exciting to be in exoskeletons right now because the advances that we've seen in hardware and motor technology, and actually a lot of the these advances 
have come out of research institutions. Mm -hmm. So for example, the actuators or the motors that we use in our exoskeleton, they're really lightweight, um, they're really back drivable. And what that means is that uh, when I turn power off, I can still move like I was without the motor on, mm. um, which for some applications, especially in assistance, you want, right? You don't want this thing to, when it shuts off, to like lock you to in break place. you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is motor technology or motors that were designed actually at MIT. Mm. Uh, so what's really nice with the hardware getting better and better, um, it's actually not as complicated as you think to build hardware. Uh, that can be used in a wearable robotic devices. But the biggest challenge uh, for us as an exoskeleton research community, as I kind of alluded to before, is how do we design these systems to work with the human, right? So I like to use the analogy of when you learn to rollerblade, hmm. right? Or, uh, or I maybe just, ice I skate. just did that <laughs> okay, a week okay, ago right? for the first time in 20 years yeah, plus. Right? Yeah. So roller skates, roller blades, these devices, right, they make moving from point A to point B much more efficient, right? But they take a while to learn how to use, right? Mm -hmm. So now imagine that you were on a pair of roller blades, but that the wheels had intelligence and they could adapt. Mm. I, it depends. I think that could be a personality test of do you think that's scary? Do you think that's exciting? <laughs> right? But a very you can make a similar analogy to the exoskeleton device, right? It requires people to learn how to actually walk with this device so that they can use the mechanical advantage, use the forces mm -hmm. um, in order to walk more efficiently, right? Um, and then what does this intelligence, right? I mean, honestly, you think about in your daily life, Right? We work with a lot of artificial intelligence systems in the information do domain, right, on your computer. But we really don't have intelligent systems, physical systems, physical machines, right? So it's a really exciting neuroscience question, mm. right? How, when I look at an exoskeleton, what are going to be my expectations of how this thing should operate? And how does that influence how I interact with it? And I would imagine some of the people who really need this might also have neurological stuff going on. So Absolutely. it's very complicated. Absolutely. So in fact, um, so as much as we, you know, work on the engineering side and building the hardware, we also uh, work in measure, in neuroscience. So for example, we're running studies where we're actually trying to measure things like neural or cognitive effort as you're using this device. Because again, just as you mentioned, we have to think about the populations that we're trying to assist with these devices. Is this therapeutic in its intent or is it more for day-to-day -day activities? Or maybe those are oh, there's overlap, but what's the, what's, the, what's, the, what's the end goal here? Yeah, absolutely. So it's both, right? And I think that speaks to the fact that um, you know, these devices, this hardware, you can control them to do a lot of different things. So on one hand, you know, you can imagine that if you uh, are on one hand, you can create opportunities for training, right? Um, so think about, for example, uh, rehabilitation, say, after a stroke, right? Mm -hmm. You're, despite having this neurological injury, uh, the nervous system is still plastic, meaning that it can change, it can adapt. Uh, and what we've seen in robotics is that uh, in the healthcare system is that 
the more you use these devices to help practice, the more function you can um, regain. So for example, you might use in that case an exoskeleton for enhancing or right for retraining an individual. Um, but also as you get older, for example, you're now also seeing physiological changes in your muscles. Mm-hmm. And we may not mm-hmm. be able to overcome that. So mm-hmm. how can we, right, put on an exoskeleton? It might not be a learning problem, but how do we then compensate and then assist an individual to walk? To go back to uh, uh, Professor Kirsten Nordstrom's question for a second, and we just have a very little time left. If you develop a patent in all this, who yeah. ends up owning it? How, how do these, are there spinoffs that could yeah. end up here in Western Massachusetts manufacturing these exoskeletons? Absolutely. Yeah, so we, uh, so what happens is, for example, my research lab, if uh, if and when uh, we develop <laughs> these, uh, some novel to- technology, uh, UMass owns the patents for it. And that gets then... Um, we own the uh, UMass will own the patents, and then that gets licensed out. Um, there's plenty of opportunities to have spinoff companies, and what's actually really useful for us is the fact that we are big in manufacturing out here in Western Massachusetts. There's actually, uh, I think, an untapped opportunity to explore how we can use exoskeletons in manufacturing, hmm. right? Um, in order to do things like to reduce loads, storing, carrying, or lifting in some of these manual tasks. Um, but our idea really is how do we bring this innovation outside of the lab? Um, and that's through collaborations with companies within Massachusetts and then in our healthcare institutes as well. Okay. Well, I can't wait to hear about this all tomorrow. So if, if you're needing a reminder, tomorrow night, 6.30 p.m. is the talk. We're going to learn using, about using robots to improve how we move from Professor Megan Huber, UMass Amherst. As a reminder, it's free. Um, all ages are welcome. We've had a lot more kids show up recently. We'd like to keep that trend going. Um, we will have some door prizes for you. We will have some light snacks. If you're of age, of course, you can get some delicious beer from the brewery. Um, and if you don't, if you don't have our emails yet, go to scitechcafe.org to get on our mailing list, or you can go to facebook.com/scitechcafe to get um, notifications for all of our events. So, Professor Kristen Nordstrom, is there still a prize for the best question? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> we tend to have three fabulous prizes that our speaker picks out. Uh, one is randomly selected, and then, we t- and then we have the speaker select two best questions, usually. Um, so the competition is fierce, and we really welcome those questions. That often is the richest part of the evening. SciTech Cafe, brought to you by Kristen Nordstrom, we, and we really appreciate your time and Professor Megan uh, Hoover, thank you so very much. Sounds like a fascinating talk tomorrow. We'll see you at the abandoned building, Brewery in East Hampton. All right, thank you. Thank you.